Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm still not over the fact that it's 2022. Like, what? I was just thinking recently how my astrologer, who I love, she told me that I would be getting married in 2022. And at this point, I think it was like 2019. And I was like, oh, that's so far away. Like, I just like don't, I can't, can't, like it's just too far and I'm going to be so much older. And now I'm like, oh my God, that is so soon. Like it's happening and I can't believe it. And, you know, so just like don't rush your life, you know, like don't, try to make everything happen all at once. Like you will be ready when it's time. This episode today is with Amy Chan. She's a repeat guest. I love that we've been having all these repeat guests and I love that they're like quality, quality guests. And also that like I'm older. So I feel like hopefully I'm interviewing them in a more thorough way for you guys. I don't know. We'll see. But I really love Amy. She is so amazing. She's so articulate and just the way that she has been able to heal from her breakup and turn it into a career is phenomenal. And like, that's how this started, by the way. This podcast that you're listening to right now started because of a breakup, which I hate saying sometimes because I'm like, I don't want to give this loser credit. And he doesn't get any credit, trust me. But it's how you react to things. That's where the credit begins. Like if you get dumped and you are just like, oh, my life sucks. Every like, you know, I'm not meant to be finding love and blah, blah, blah. Whatever you say to yourself sometimes and we say to ourselves after breakups, like then yeah, that's your fate, you know? Or you can get dumped and be like, okay, great. Like what is the world trying to tell me? What should I do with this? And I think after you listen to this episode, you're going to have more like better insight to kind of how to deal with your breakup properly. Before we get into that, I want to answer some of your questions and then turn it over to Amy. So the first one, somebody said, can you talk about Tristan and Chloe and Tristan's apology? For anyone who's like, who are these people? Good for you, first of all. But second of all, Tristan Thompson is an athlete and Chloe Kardashian is a Kardashian. And they are not together, were together he cheated on her like the first time that she was like in the middle of giving birth and then she took him back like seven times and now he's doing it again and he has a, he's fathered another kid. And honestly, I never blame the woman in these situations. I don't. And I don't think it's right to in a cheating situation. But at this point, I'm sorry, Chloe, what are you doing? Like it's Chloe's fault. At this point, I blame Chloe. Like, it's like, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me or something. Fool me 5,000 million times. Like, shame the fuck on me. This is ridiculous. Like, this is why we don't give third chances. I don't even give second chances. But you know what? And also, like, if a guy has the balls to cheat on you when you're pregnant with his baby, you better believe he's going to cheat on you other times. And like, as someone who's been cheated on in the past, I know for a fact that the first time you find out they've cheated is not really the first time they've cheated. It's just the first time you found out. So Chloe, please don't take this man back again. Like what? Why does he even want to go back? Why do men or women want to be in a relationship and cheat? Like I was at New Year's in so uh, like at um, in Miami a few weekends ago. 
and or two weekends ago, whenever New Year's was. And a friend of mine was cheating. Like someone I know was cheating. And I'm not going to get into it. I don't even want to like, I can't believe I'm even saying it, but I was like, what? Like who cheats? Who cheats when you're 30 plus? Like, what's the point? Just break up. There's no, I mean, who cheats ever, right? But like, especially when you're an adult, it's it's so bizarre. Like, and you're not married, just break up with them and like either be with the person you cheated with or no one and just hook up with people. It's bizarre. Someone asked where you should be in six months of dating. I think it depends on age completely because in six months of dating, we were like <laughs> living together. Also like pandemic times, but normally in six months of dating, like you're you're beginning to be your full real self. Like you can be your weirdness in front of them. Like let your freak flag fly totally. And I think that like you definitely should have said, I love you at this point. And you're starting to think like, do I see a future with this person? You know, like, do I want to talk about the future and moving in together and things like that? Dry January. I mean, of course I support this. Like, of course, I'm sober. So I think dry January is a great opportunity to see if your life is better without alcohol. But I will say I don't love like the sensationalist aspect of it. It's like, oh, it's like dry January. Like, so I'm going to like not drink and then like get back into it and like love it even more. Like, I think, I think that if you actually have a problem with alcohol or if your life is better without alcohol, then dry January is just like a cry for help almost. Cause it's like, oh, I can only do it when like, when it's cool and trendy, you know, if you love, if you do January, dry January, and you love the way that you feel during it, then like maybe you should explore sobriety. I don't know. But I think also like if you're a normie, aka like you don't have a problem with alcohol and you just want to try dry, dry January, like that's also really okay. Like no shame. I don't mean to shame dry January. But like, I feel like if you're doing it because you need to be, you know, you get where you get where that, that's going. How to know when a relationship is over. For me, this was when I started to like fantasize about what it would be like being single or being with somebody else. The sex was just like non-existent anymore. Like we definitely didn't want to rip our clothes off. It was like kind of not painful physically, but like mentally painful to actually like go through with it. And I think just starting to like belittle in my mind, like belittle this person and think I'm better than them. And like, yeah, get the ick, I guess. And just like when you, when you know, first of all, you know, because like your intuition tells you it's over, but like when you know that there's someone out there that's a better match for you, like that is for sure when it's over. I remember I started to say, like I started to wish my partner in the past, you know, that I was done with would like find someone that was a better match for them too. That was a big thing. Cause I was like, Oh, they're so great. Like I wish they could find, I wish they could be with anyone else, but not me, you know, on the same kind of sentence, somebody said, making a pro and con list to decide to break up with someone. Is it rational or overcomplicating it? I'm going to ask this as a poll question too, because I'm curious, but I think it's really overcomplicating it, especially because if you have to make this list, you know that it's time to break up with them. I've made the list. I knew it was time. It's time. Honeymoon plans. Thank you for asking. Well, even though the honeymoon unfortunately isn't free, which if you are a consistent listener, you know that I thought that for some brain dead reason. Um, I We are going on one and we are going to my favorite place on earth, um, Anguilla. And I have gone there with my family before. And it's like, I hate when people say my happy place, but it's truly, truly my happy place. Like it is the place where I am the happiest on earth. I am like best friends with so many locals that I have like started relationships with over the years from going there. And it's just the most magical place. Like it's so great. And, you know, some people do like adventure honeymoons and they go to like, you know, different parts of the world and they take like one day flights and, or they go to Africa and like, that's so awesome. And like, I think that that's definitely a really cool 
thing to do on your honeymoon. I think we just kind of want to like relax and just like literally lay. And, you know, after the wedding planning process and my fiance is, has some things in the works work-wise and he definitely wants to get back to work and get started on those things. And so I think if we want to do some sort of adventure, we can do it later on, but we're really excited for that. We're going like the day after our wedding and we can't wait. Timeline for you moving to the suburbs post-wedding. Guess what? We're not moving to the suburbs. I won the battle and we're going to live in New York City. God willing, knock on wood for me that that doesn't change. Don't worry. He still tries to convince me every day. He's like, do you know like a a blah, blah, blah house in the sub in the city, in the city can get you like 10 acres in the suburbs. And I'm like, okay, cool. Not convinced. I don't know. I just feel like sometimes you go to the suburbs and you age yourself, you know, and like you just become like old and like farty and like die. I want to be in the action. Like I grew up in the city and I want to be here. And so as of now, that's the vibe. Who knows how I'll feel when we have kids in the mix. Like some people are like, you need to do it for your kids. It's like selfish to not like live in like fresh air for your kids. And I'm like, okay, well, we'll see. We'll see. Because my kids can get fresh air in the park, you know, in Central Park, whatever. We'll deal with that when it is a thing. And maybe you guys will help me with your suggestions. Okay. I'm really excited for Amy and excited to hear what you think. I hate more than anything when people make comments about like, oh, so have you started your wedding diet? Are you shedding for the wedding? Somebody said that to me when I was on the beach in my bikini. Like, do you know how offensive that is? That's so rude. And no, I'm not doing any of those things. So like you can suck it. But the one thing that I do think is important to do before the wedding, but also always is to try to eat more fruits and vegetables. Like that's the one thing that I think every nutritionist can agree on whenever someone's like, I want to eat better or like, I want to feel good. They're always like, well, add a veggie, add some fruits in. And it's so, so true. But I'm just not good at doing that on my own. Plus fresh fruits and veggies are so expensive normally, but with daily harvest, it's an amazing deal. Like amazing. I keep my freezer stocked with all of their smoothies and they've also got bowls and flatbreads and ice cream. So like you can have breakfast, a snack or dessert. It's incredible. And their smoothies are ready made. So all you have to do is like pour it into your blender and you have a smoothie without having to make any of it. And it's with fresh fruits that like are frozen at peak freshness. So it's all preserved and amazing. If you go to dailyharvest.com slash Acme, you can get up to $40 off your first box. It's a pretty good deal, I would say. So go to dailyharvest.com slash Acme for up to $40 off your first box by going to dailyharvest.com slash Acme. Daily Harvest makes it easy to feel good about what I'm doing for myself and the planet and the haters who are asking me if I'm shedding for the wedding. Like, goodbye. Go to dailyharvest.com slash Acme and check it out. I had such a good time when I was in Miami and I literally prayed every day that the trip would actually happen because I was so nervous. My bridal shower didn't happen. Who knows if my bachelorette is going to happen. So it was so important to me to really enjoy every second. And because it's like so cold in New York City, I was like, I want to be in the sun. And I want to be in the sun like every day in Miami. So I did. But obviously, when you go into the sun, your skin is mad at you and it suffers. And I was like, you know what? It's fine because when I come back, I'm going to use my Curology stuff and it's going to restart. And that's what's so great is Curology gives you a custom formula that's just for your needs and goals. So like, let's say I say, you know, I'm, I've been in the sun. I need something to take care of my skin post sun. That's the moisturizer. It's designed by dermatologists. The cleanser, which is like so gentle yet effective. And they have so many other things too. They've got like an acne body wash. Like people don't talk about how you can get pimples on your body too. People are always focused on your face, but there's so much more to focus on. 
Curology is a game-changing custom skincare. It's made for you by a dermatology provider. They'll create a custom prescription cream for your specific goals, whether it's tackling acne, clogged pores, skin texture, dark spots from the sun, fine lines, or something else. You start by taking a short online quiz and uploading photos. And if it's a good fit, they'll ship you your formula right to your door. It even has your name on the bottle. You can get started with Curology just like I did with a free 30-day trial at Curology.com slash Acme. You only have to pay $5 for shipping and handling. That's C-U-R-O-L-O-G-Y.com slash Acme to start your free 30-day trial. You can cancel anytime and prescriptions are subject to consultation. So definitely check it out, especially if you're planning or have been in the sun. Hi, I'm Caroline Stanbury, and I am Divorced Not Dead. Fresh off the back of my divorce, I'm bringing real stories, real life, real talk on all things that aren't said. Why do we put so much pressure on ourselves for the happily ever after? Does our love story really have to be one great lengthy novel, or can we be happy with a book of short but exciting love stories? I guess we'll find out on Divorced Not Dead. And lucky me, you'll be joining me for the journey, so buckle up. Hey guys, welcome back to We Met at Acme. I'm so excited to be back with Amy Chan. She's the founder of Renew Breakup Bootcamp and the author of Breakup Bootcamp. How are you? Hello, I'm good. It's so good to be back. I feel like, you know, the breakup conversations and episodes, they never get old because people are always going through breakups, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they really are. So Amy, you've been a guest on before, but for anyone that missed that episode, hopefully they'll go back and listen after this. How old are you and where are you from? I am 39 and I was born and raised in Vancouver, but I spent the last eight years in New York and then just moved back to Vancouver during the pandemic. Oh, so I didn't realize it was where you were from. So Amy was telling me before we started recording that her and her boyfriend just moved to Vancouver. So how did you, is he from Vancouver? Or how did you convince him to move back home with you? No. So we, we were just dating for five months when we went on lockdown and I quarantined with him in his apartment and we didn't leave the apartment for 45 days. So he had never even visited Vancouver and he just woke up one day and he's like, screw it. Let's go. Let's move. And we packed up our stuff in three weeks and we left. That's awesome. That's really cool. And if I remember correctly, you're an Aquarius? I am. Yes. Okay, good. That's like the one thing I have a good memory for. And when is your boyfriend's birthday? What is his sign? He is a Pisces. He's March 20th. Oh, we love an Aquarius Pisces match. That's very... um, I feel like it's like very mystical. So that's awesome. And... Just to give a recap for our listeners of like why you became a breakup expert, obviously there had to have been a breakup involved, even though it's so far in the past now, can you do a little recap of like what led you to needing, realizing that everybody needed this? Yeah. So I was in a relationship and I thought I had met my happily forever after. And I was on track to get married, have children. He was an entrepreneur. So I would eventually just stay at home and like write on the side for fun. And my whole future was mapped out for me. And then that relationship fell apart due to infidelity. And I had put so much of my identity in him and us that When the relationship fell apart, I completely, completely just broke. And it took me a really long time to get back on my feet. And when I eventually did, I I tried everything. I tried therapy, psychotherapy, Reiki, psychics, yoga retreats. And I would go to these retreats and they were great, but it was like procrastinating my pain. I would come back and then suddenly be triggered by all the same trauma And I just questioned myself. I was like, well, what happens to those people who don't have a support system and friends who will let you stay on their couch and, you know, the means to know what types of tools to try. And I figured I had to be the one to create this safe space, a getaway for people to come to not only heal, but learn about their patterns so that they don't do the same thing or repeat the same thing. And I wanted them to come and leave differently after the breakup and have a really luxurious experience at the same time. 
I love that. And it's been so helpful for so many people. And I still, I still reference our episode back because we talked about attachment theories. Mm. And it was the first time we had ever talked about that on this show, which is crazy because like it opened people's minds up to, you know, maybe I'm going for the uh, avoidant attachment guy, or maybe I'm myself, maybe I'm anxious attachment. And I think that was so eye opening. So that was another really good one. We have all of these questions, re breakups. And I feel like because we have so many, we should just get into them and kind of like go over your opinion, my opinion, even though your opinion is definitely more important on this matter. Somebody asked, to block or not to block post breakup? (laughs) That is the question. So it depends on the situation. If it's not amicable, then you may want to do the whole blocking strategy. And this is why. After a breakup, you have to understand what's happening in your brain. When you're together with someone, you have neural pathways that have been wired together. So after you break up, even though on a cognitive level, you know it's over, your body doesn't. Your body is in a state of shock. And it's like, what the hell's going on? Give me that dopamine. Give me that oxytocin. And it's going to motivate you to go down memory lane, check their Instagram, contact your ex. So you want to set yourself up for success and do not Mm. rely on willpower because it will run out. You will have a lot more willpower at eight in the morning to not contact your ex. And at 5 PM, you will have less willpower. So I would say if it's really hard for you, block your ex, you might even want to have a conversation before about your boundary. And I always encourage people to let, let them know and say, Hey, right now I need to focus my attention on my own self-care and healing. I don't want to have any communication for 60 days. And if I feel comfortable at that time, I'll reach out to you, but please do not contact me. That's really helpful. I've I've actually never blocked an ex except when one was like threatening me, which was, you know, had to get the, the law involved. So that's a whole other issue. But I've never blocked an ex because the mute feature has been so helpful to me. They're, they're like on Instagram, you can mute someone's stories and posts. And I, a while, like I remember the, an ex from like, you know, years ago, I muted them right when we broke up because I don't know why I cared, but I was like, I just don't want him to think that he matters enough to me that he's blocked you know? Mm -hmm. And I don't want him to think he's, he affects me so much that I unfollow. So I just muted him. And I really thought that I would like, you know, go back and like, want to see what he's doing because he was only muted, you know, but I ended up never going back. And so I will say like that, I mean, mute block, it doesn't really matter. They're kind of the same. You don't see them. And the out of sight, out of mind really was helpful to me for the breakup. Yeah. Really helpful. Somebody said, is a post-breakup coffee a bad idea? Oh, I have so many thoughts on this. What do you think? (laughs) I think you need to really be honest with what your intentions are. We are rationalizing machines, right? And if you look at the stages of separation, there's a stage that happens of, well, first, I'll just go over them quickly. If it starts at shock, that's actually your body's way of protecting itself because taking the new reality that you are separated is too overwhelming. Then you go into denial. Then you go into depression and sadness. Then you move into anger, which is actually a positive sign in the stages because it shows that energy is moving and you start to take action. Then it goes into what's called bargaining. And this is a stage where you're like, well, you know what? Let's just have that coffee or like, let's just hang out or, you know, it's totally fine. You will rationalize reasons why it's okay to talk to them, maybe get back together with them, whatever it is. It's another form of denial. And uh, this is often when relapses happen, when you make up enough excuses because the pain of separation is so much that you would rather get that relief by going, ah. And sometimes people go through that a few times before they finally realize it's not going to change. Then there's a stage I've found, which is accountability. This is when the energy starts to shift from Everything's about them focus. Why did they do that? Why are they not giving me closure? Them, them, them 
to me. What do I need to do? I need to do this. So it shifts the focus. Then it goes into acceptance. So I would say that if you want to have a post breakup conversation and it's not charged, there's no emotional charge there. You're not going to be destroyed if you don't get the reaction and response that you get. Then that shows like, okay, you are far enough in the healing process that you can handle it. But if you're really like deep down trying to get something, trying to get that closure, trying to get, you know, validation, whatever it is, it's not a good idea. Mm -hmm. I agree. I would say though, like, yes, be honest with your intentions, but also like, is there really ever a reason to do the, the coffee? To me, this is like, this is like a synonym for closure. It's like, mm. can I like is closure something that I can get? You know, coffee equals closure to me. And I've been on the receiving end of these conversations where someone else, you know, that I, where someone I broke up with was like, let's do the coffee or let's go on a walk. I've actually never done it myself, which is, which is weird because like I've really suffered, but somehow the um, willpower to like not reach out, but other people have with me. And if if their intention was like to get me back, it pushed me so much further away because I was like, they're so not over it. And they're so like desperate to like get my attention again and like be back with me. And so that like really turned me off. And I always felt like that was the intention. Even if it wasn't, that's wow. how I received it. And so I think that's so important for people to to realize who might be thinking about the closure thing. Like even if your intention is good, it could be perceived as they want to be with me. You know, if you were the one that was like broken up with, I, I think that's just how the other person feels in that situation. And the same goes, I think, for like the long-winded paragraph that, that they write, you know? Like, how do you feel about that long, long paragraph? I feel like write it, but don't send it to them. Yeah, write it, don't send it. Again, what is the intention? What are you going to get? Mm -hmm. This whole idea of someone giving you closure, you're not going to get it because it's not closure that you want. It's relief from pain. And here's the thing. You can meet up with someone or you could get a laundry list of all the reasons why it didn't work out. They, they all, oftentimes they don't know. Human beings have no idea. There's so much at play. It could be pheromones. It could be something that you did that reminded them about something when they were three years old in kindergarten and it, it evoked disgust and it's deep in their subconscious memory. They don't know. And I know for me, when I've ended things with people, and they ask me why, I'll be like, oh, it's because of timing. It's because of this. And I didn't know until years later, I was like, oh, it was actually that moment when he just looked in the mirror a certain way. And like, there was that thing and I just felt disgust and I couldn't bounce back from that icky feeling. So, mm. you know, like I, I, again, I think it's just being realistic with what are you trying to get? Yeah, exactly. Somebody asked if it's important to take time for self-healing or to immediately get back into dating. If you immediately get back to dating as a way of distracting and avoiding your emotions, you're going to create baggage that's just going to follow you. It's going to follow you into your next relationship or it's going to blow up in your face somehow. In the research, it shows that men have a tendency to do that more than women, whereas women will tend to talk it out, go through therapy, kind of really do what they need to feel all of it up front. And then they heal. What we have found is that with men, when they distract or they get back into the apps, they're just prolonging their pain. And then the pain doesn't just go away. So time doesn't just heal all the pain magically, right? Doing the work to heal it, you know, reflecting, going in there, processing, releasing, that's what heals it. But if you just leave it inside you, it's like a ticking time bomb. Even for women, you would say? I would say for both, but research shows men have a tendency to avoid more. So I very respectfully disagree for my situation. And I think every situation is different. But what I've experienced with a breakup is that I like get right back into it. And granted, like this could be like a, maybe it's like a toxic issue I have. I don't know. Maybe it's not a good thing at all, but I usually get right back into it. And my whole thing is like, okay, I'm hurting. I've dealt with X, Y, and Z. So if I get right back into dating, I'm not, there's no way I'm going to fall for someone because I'm emotionally unavailable right now, unless they are amazing. 
right? And so like, if I go out and I date, you know, in this state where again, like emotionally unavailable, I'm only going to be emotionally available to someone who's really, really amazing. And so that's my like kind of theory that has zero scientific back, but I don't know, for some reason that's worked for me. But again, like dating is completely different for everyone. It's so subjective. Yeah. It sounds like you found a way of actually helping you filter more so than try to get over the last person. Right. Right. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know. I'm not like super emotional. So maybe that's like what works for me, Mm -hmm. but I'm not going to lie. Like even doing that, it's, I think that there's kind of pieces of our exes that like we carry with us, no matter Mm -hmm. what work we do. Would you agree with that? Totally. So I don't feel that you have to be healed before you can date again or love again. There are conflicting emotions. You could still be sad and have grief for a relationship that's ended. And you could be excited about the future. Maybe it's a new job. Maybe you're going to move. Maybe it's a new person. You could feel both things. I think that there is a period of time when you are so raw. It's just like if you just broke your leg, And you're like, okay, I'm going to run the marathon. It's like, well, you can run the marathon, but maybe just like nurture it a little bit. And I think it really depends on situation. If you, you know, if you had a very intense relationship with someone you thought you're going to get married to and it ended, that might require a little bit more downtime than the other. And, and then there's somewhere you, you just kind of get back up. Like I know dating in New York, it was like a revolving door. I met my boyfriend Uh, I was sad about someone else, but it wasn't a really deep relationship. I was really sad it didn't work out, but it opened my heart. And I remember this moment where I was like in front of my mirror crying, talking to the God or universe. I was like, why is this happening to me? Like I'm a, I help people. Why is this happening again? And I just remember this quote. I, I tell the women I work with at breakup bootcamp, our greatest lesson in this lifetime is to practice opening our hearts even when it hurts, especially when it hurts. And I said, I am not going to let the fact that it didn't work up with this person, not to vilify them. It just wasn't my fit. I'm not going to close my heart because I had to do that when I was young. I didn't have the tools and I broke apart, but now I'm like, I'm okay. I'm fine. And so I got back up and I got on a dating app and I ended up meeting my partner. So I think, yeah, it really does depend on the context of the situation, but the only way to find out, try it. And if you find that you go on a date and you're totally destroyed, okay, maybe give it a little bit of time. But if you go on a date, you're like, oh, cool. I can feel alive again. All right, then keep going. I love that. And I love what you said about not like closing your heart after one thing. It's just so true. Like I picked myself back up and like dusted myself off so many times, so many times in the dating process. Like I could have been mortified by some things that happened to me. And I could have been like, you know what? That's it. Like I'm unlovable or I'll never find my person or blah, blah, blah. But I continued to pick myself up. And then in addition to like picking myself up, I continued to do the inner work on myself, Mm. which like eventually led me to find my now fiance, who is someone that I truly feel like I wouldn't have been able to like really match with on, on that level without having done the work. So it's like, yes, continue to pick yourself up, but also like look inward. Like I feel like every breakup is a lesson in, in a way, you know? Yeah. If for some reason you missed our last episode with Mrs. Dow Jones, it is not too late to listen and to learn a little bit more about your finances. I'm really making it a goal for myself in 2022 to like get more into it and to understand what I'm doing with my money. If you haven't heard of Wealthfront, Wealthfront actually can create a portfolio of globally diversified low-cost index funds personalized for you in minutes. Mrs. Dow Jones talks about Wealthfront all the time and I'm so happy that we're partnering with them because it's so hot 
for women to know what's going on with their finances. And I feel like it needs to be more talked about in the world of dating. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets. And you can get your first $5,000 managed for free by going to wealthfront.com slash Acme. If you're hanging onto like $5,000 and you're not investing it, you are doing it wrong. I mean, I don't know a lot about money, but I know that is for sure. It's so important. And like, you don't have to know what an NFT is or Bitcoin, whatever the hell that shit is. I have, I have no idea about that. But it is so important to grow your wealth and let your money work for you. And when you work with Wealthfront, they basically do exactly that. So to get your first $5,000 managed for free for life, by the way, for life, like it's not just like for the week, like your money continues to work for you. Go to wealthfront.com slash Acme. That's W-E-A-L-T-H-F-R-O-N-T.com slash Acme to start growing your savings. Go to wealthfront.com slash Acme and get started today. There's nothing to regret about this because you're just going to be making money. And that's what we all want in 2022. So check it out, wealthfront.com slash Acme. I just want everyone to know that it's okay to not have gone into 2022 working out every day and doing all these goals and like getting a new boyfriend and like, it's so okay. It could not be more okay. And it's social media and just like society that makes you feel like it's not. And they market all this stuff. And like they make you tally up all your shortcomings. Like, oh, you didn't do this with your career. Do this now. You didn't lose this weight. Do it now. And like without therapy, I don't know how I would personally be able to deal with all of this pressure from external places to get my shit in order. Like, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I slept for 12 hours on Monday night. 12 hours. Like that's how much my body needed. And I didn't wake up and work out and do X, Y, and Z. And I have the ability now to be kinder to myself and to not be comparative because of therapy. You don't want to have to say all these New Year's resolutions that end up backfiring and make you feel bad about yourself. If I hadn't done therapy, like I wouldn't understand what it's like to be kind to myself. And I would probably succumb to all the stuff on the outside. I'm telling you, therapy is everything that you need. If you have any New Year's resolution, it should be to get to know yourself better by seeing a therapist. If you haven't heard of Talkspace, it is the best place to match with a licensed therapist and you get all the benefits of therapy in a more convenient format. It's private and secure and you can FaceTime with your therapist too. They're there to fit your schedule, not the other way around. So check it out. And we're offering you $100 off your first month because that's how much I want you guys to try therapy and tell me how you feel after. Go to Talkspace.com and use promo code ACME at sign up and you'll get $100 off your first month. That's $100 off at Talkspace.com with promo code ACME. Somebody said, I'm single for the first time. At 27, how do I not feel hopeless? Like I'll never meet someone. Mm. You know, it's interesting in my six years of running breakup bootcamp, regardless of what age someone is, whether they're 25 or 65, they always ask that same question. They always think that they're too old or it's too late. And so I would say that just like what we're talking about, pick yourself back up, put yourself out there. Every single relationship that hasn't worked out to the plan that you wanted has been a bridge, right? We think of every relationship, like date, get married, like as if it's meant to be our destination. So many of these relationships were only meant to be a bridge. And that bridge is like, you are learning about yourself. You're working things out in relation. We don't really grow in a private room by ourselves. A lot of it happens by being in relation, right? Like when you're single, it's easy not to get that triggered because no one gets in that deep. It's really when you're in a relationship, when all this stuff comes out of hiding. And then that's when you really have an opportunity to grow and evolve. And so I'd say like, 
the plan that you have, the timeline that you have, question, where did it come from, right? Like I know for me, I had this whole idea of how it was supposed to look like by what time. And so much of it was I was indoctrinated into these fairy tales since I was a little girl. Even if you're like, oh no, that's not reality. These messages are hammered into you since you were young. And so it takes some sometimes kind of breaking down to break open to say like, wait a minute, that's not my narrative. That's not my plan. I don't need to follow this timeline of what successful relationships look like and carve that path for yourself. Yeah, that's really helpful. I'm really curious what you think about this one. I have very strong feelings about my answer, but can getting back together with an ex ever be successful? Yeah, it can. I think it really depends, right? Like I think, so look, I work with a lot of people who are stuck in a toxic cycle with someone. There's typically either physical or emotional abuse and they continue to get back because they're stuck in a toxic cycle of intensity. Now I would say for those people in my experience, I have not seen one case where it has worked out well. What I have seen is it's been five years and they're still stuck in that toxic cycle. Now, I think that there's other situations where you broke up for whatever reason, you have time apart, you grow, you learn, you uh, become more of who you are and you come back together again. And I think what's important to ask yourself, whether it's a coming back together with an ex or you're evaluating a new person is look at what's in front of you. What is the reality of the situation? And what I feel a partnership needs in order to be able to flourish is you need a combination of four things. One is there's got to be some sort of chemistry and connection there. There's got to be compatibility. That means values alignment and vision. The third is there has to be timing right person at the wrong time, wrong person. And the very fourth thing, which is so, so important is you need two people equally invested in building the partnership together. So if you've got that, whether it's with your ex or with a new person, then you've really got the ingredients for the potential. But if you come back together and you still don't have that timing piece, or you still don't have, you know, you're still putting in all the work and you're overperforming and they're not, and they're just paying lip service that they will. Guess what? same results will probably happen. Yeah. I really feel like it it doesn't work, but I guess I maybe I didn't have all those things in order when I had tried it in the past. I think when I was the one, it also like depends on why you broke up. When I was the one that broke it off and then tried to to do it again, I had felt like once I tried to do it again, I was like, "Oh, this is why." I don't want to be with this person. And I figured it out so quickly. And then I felt so bad to like drag this person back just to like throw them out again. And then when I was broken up with, and then I went back to be back together with this person, they did the same thing to me. They like realized that it wasn't something they were serious about or whatever. And then they hurt me twice. And so... (laughs) those experiences like led me to believe that it's that it's never a good idea but i think there are always exceptions and i think if if you listen to your advice that could work it just i don't think it would but it could um okay somebody said this is a really good question so what sacrifices should you make for a relationship and where should you draw the line i feel that you cannot sacrifice your values and the right person for you will not require you to abandon your values. And if you're making excuses that cause you to betray yourself, that is a signal that something is off. Now, where can you compromise or make sacrifices? There could be things like interests, like maybe they really love skiing and they want you to be like an adventurous skier. Yeah, like maybe you hate the cold and you don't want to do it and they've got to find some other skiing buddies, right? That's very different, right? Our interests, our hobbies, those sorts of things are going to shift. And 
you have to feel to find out how you can coexist in a relationship with two very different people. But I feel the values are the glue. And so if one, and I've had this, I dated a guy who, you know, straight up said like, Hey, I'll be emotionally monogamous. But if I like, you know, get drunk at a party and I have casual sex with someone, I don't want that to be the end of the relationship. That's just, you know, I want to be always honest. And I really had like my value is monogamy. And so I was like, okay, let me just date you for four months and see how this goes. And which turned out terribly. It was horrible. Mm -hmm. Like it constantly triggered me, but I was like, we had a value misalignment huge from the very beginning. And I went through four months of just suffering because I just wanted to overlook it because I would rationalize the other things were so, so good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, so important to have aligned values. And I think you answered that so perfectly. Like the little things, you know, hobbies and whatever, it can sacrifice here and there. But someone we had on the podcast once said something that really stuck with me. It was like, I don't want to feel like a widow in my own relationship, which is like, you know, I want to feel like I'm doing the things that I love with my partner for the most part. So like, I think that's fair. I think like if it's an obscure hobby, like if they love like, I don't know, snow skiing or whatever that thing is called when you go in the hel- heli skiing, like, yes. I, like I'm good. Like I'm, I'm good. Like babe, like you do you. But I think, you know, like going to like shows together, going to, you know, on trips together, like that should be things that you both are aligned on. So I think that's really important. We get this question a lot about what to do when you like have a situation where you run into your ex often. Like let's say you were in the same group of friends or you work together or you go to college together, you know, any of these scenarios, what is the best practice for kind of like how to act around them? Yeah, I get this a lot. People feel a lot of anxiety about the run-in with the ex. And I remember this very clearly for myself. So I, my ex, the one I talked about, we had the same friends and I tried to avoid him. And anytime I accidentally saw him, I would physically run. And there was one time I was bike riding. I was on a date. I was bike riding. I saw him and I just physically had a reaction and I kept biking and I ran past a red light, almost got run over. So it was like a total fight or flight situation for me. And I knew we were going to be at a party together. So I tried to get him disinvited. The host said no. And I was like, shoot, I got to really figure this out. So I did what's called mental rehearsal. So I actually imagine I closed my eyes, uh, got into meditative state. I visualized seeing my part, my ex-partner. I would nod, I would smile. It was cordial. And I would go about like my time there and I felt confident and I just visualized it over and over again. And when I went to that party for the first time ever, I didn't have an anxiety attack. I saw him nod in my head, cordial. I stayed up you know, away from him. I didn't have a conversation, but I didn't shrink and fall into like this spiral. And I was like, oh my gosh, this works. So it's mental rehearsal also called visualization. It's an, a practice that are used by pro athletes, performers. Why you do it is it actually creates a neural pathway in your brain before it's game time. So it's, it, you're able to access it a lot faster when you actually have to do it. So if you practice that, that's going to help you. That sounds awesome. Like I never knew about that trick. So that's really good to know for our listeners. In my situations that I've been in in the past where I've run into exes, I like to treat them like I would an acquaintance. So not like avoiding them, but also not like trying to talk to them all night. Just something that's like, hey, it's good to see you. Like, hope hope everything's good. Or how are you? Like that, like very surface level conversation, like formalities. And then like go about your night. But it's for sure easier said than done. I've had one situation where I was so pissed. My, I was at this place with friends of mine and my ex showed up. And my friends made the biggest deal about it. Like mm-hmm. I was fine, but you know, like my friends like grabbed me so clearly oh. and they were like, Lynn's like, do you see who's here? Do you see who's here? And it became such like a, yeah. a big thing that he thought that I cared so much and it really upset me. So I remember anytime after that, I said to my friends, like if someone so comes to this party or like we're at the same party, please do not 
come over to me. Like I see it. I know you, you need to be cool so that I can be cool. And like, we can all be cool. So I think also like, especially in a college scenario, right. Where like your friends are always around. Like it's so important to just tell everyone to be cool, to chill out at, at any age. Is there a need to explain your why behind breaking up with somebody? All right. So when you are the one doing the breaking up, your goal of that conversation is to communicate that the relationship is over and do it with as much grace and kindness as you possibly can. That is the goal of the conversation. Do not have secondary like secondary goals, third goals, four goals. People try to do too much in that breakup talk. And it doesn't matter because the other person who's hearing that they're being broken up with is not absorbing the other stuff. So whatever you say, if you create a laundry list of like, well, you know, that time you did this, this is like, all that stuff is probably going to be taken out of context. They're going to remember it a certain way. It's not going to be helpful. That's not the time. And so I would say, don't create a list of the reasons why, unless they did something terrible and they were abusive or something like that. Totally. Right. Call them out on it have them, you know, hopefully they're not going to do it again. But I just don't think that the breakup talk is when you tell them everything that's flawed about them. Yeah, agreed. It's just cringe. And I also don't think that like you ever really know the reason why. Like, like think about the people you broke up with. Like there are so many things that they don't know, which are part of the reason. And I think that's just like something in life that you have to accept. Like we accept that life's not fair. We accept that sadly one day we die, like not to be so dark. But another thing that we accept is that we never really know 100% the reason that we're broken up with. It's like the Seinfeld episodes and like, you know, all that stuff. It's like, oh, is her third third toe was too large. It's like, you know, it's so ridiculous. We don't, we're never going to know like these ridiculous, ridiculous reasons. Another question that comes up often is how to cope when your ex is the one who moves on first, or maybe it's quickly. Yeah. Ouch. I know. I... I don't think that there's any easy way out of it. I think it does add an extra layer of pain because your ego then gets involved, right? It's like you start comparing. I think there's things that you don't do. I don't think you should go and check out their the new person's social media. I find people do that a lot. And it's something our the anxiety coach we work with, Trish, talks about. It's like emotional cutting. It's like, you know, it's going to hurt even more, but you're like, oh, let me just look at, look up those photos of her or him. And yeah, I mean, the more you can focus your attention on how you're going to move forward, how you can light your light up, how you could feel confident and amazing again, have things like set in your futures that you can look forward to that will help you kind of get out of that rumination of the past and why they might not have chosen you and all that stuff. Right. When you are grieving the pain of a breakup, it's, it's passion, it's passion and energy that's going towards this person. That's no longer in a relationship with you. It's just misguided energy. So redirect that energy into things that light you up. You're not going to want to feel like doing anything. I get it. You're not going to want to eat. You're not going to want to see your friends. You're not going to want to go do aerobics, whatever it is, but you have to force yourself again, set yourself up for success. If you want to write that book, if you want to learn how to play guitar, learn that new language, whatever it is, redirect your energy into that. Cause as you do it, you'll get a positive feedback loop. You'll start to feel better about yourself and you will naturally stop thinking about the other person because it's going to go into you. Such great advice. And I personally wish that I had followed it in the past. I feel like Anytime someone has gotten a girlfriend after me, I have made it my life mission to find out everything about that person to stalk them so much to the point where like, if I ran into them, I'd be like, Oh, do we know each other from somewhere? Cause I've stalked you so much that it is a cringe worthy. What are your thoughts on being haunted by like a three month relationship? Because this is a very real thing. And Taylor Swift has written multiple albums on her three month relationship with Jake Gyllenhaal. There's something about this three months, this three month thing that is almost harder to get over than like a two-year thing. What's that about? How do you, how do you do? So I have a lot of ideas and thoughts about the three-month thing. 
One is you need to understand that the first three months of a relationship is not setting precedent of how your relationship is going to be. Everyone is on love drugs. So you are also flooded with dopamine and dopamine is actually the motivational chemical. So it's going to motivate you to do more, to get whatever it is that you want. And so people are often like, you know, even if you're avoidantly attached, this is when you shine, like you're doing the flowers, you're planning the getaways, you're doing all these things. It's this hyper intensive moment in the relationship. And it's mother nature's way of like creating that momentum. So hopefully you'll procreate. But eventually what happens in a relationship, those chemicals start to level out. It's not humanly possible for you to be in all these elevated chemicals for a sustained period of time. And you also, the part of your brain, the amygdala starts to minimize in these three months. That's why they say you have rose colored tinted glasses because, you know, that high pitched laugh that you think is so cute in the first three months after, you know, three years, you're like, holy crap, that's so annoying. Like, I don't want to be around you. Mm -hmm. And so when you've been together with someone for say two years, the chemical makeup is very different. It's not all dopamine driven. It is actually the other chemicals, which are typically called here and now chemicals which make you appreciate the present. It's a lot more calm. It's a lot more peaceful. And so that intensity plateaus. So it's very different breaking up when the intensity plateaus versus at the peak of the intensity when it ends. It's like going to Disneyland and you're about to have the most exciting part of Disneyland and then you're whipped out and then you have to go to the library. Versus you go to Disneyland, you've been there for six hours, you've seen every single attraction, you're super tired, and then you go right? Very, very different experience of when it got cut off. So true. Yeah. That's such a good analogy. I love that. Also hate it because I've been through it (laughs) and it sucks. Somebody asked something that was really, it's really good for, so I'm 31. And when you break up at age 31, you don't really have single friends. Like for the most part, you you know, you've only ever hung out in couples. And so when I went through a breakup at 29, I experienced this and I I very much had to figure it out on my own. Like I had to kind of silently suffer. I wasn't going to go to friends of mine because they didn't really get it or like they, you know, get close with your significant other. So they then like really like them too because you're always hanging on couples. How do you deal if you're going through a breakup, but everyone around you is coupled up still? I get it. It's so hard because, you know, your happily married friends, they, they don't know really how to support you. So I think there's a few things. There's one where you do get the comfort of being around people who know you and you feel safe around. And when you're actually physically around them, they actually help calm down your own nervous system. There's a, there's an actual physiological response. So you need that. But I would say with the friends that you've had that are coupled up, communicate to them how to best support you, right? Like what you just said to your friends, like, hey, when you see my ex, let's all be cool. Like, let's not make a scene out of it. You need to almost let them know like, hey, I don't want to talk about it this way. Hey, it doesn't help when we vilify my ex, whatever it is. And then I think it's also important for you to find a community of people who are going through the same thing. And this could be whether you, you know, join, I don't know, a women's group or a men's group or whatever it is, or break a bootcamp, whatever it is, like-minded people who are going through something similar so that you don't feel so isolated in your experience. Because here's one of the biggest problems people have when they go through this pain. They think that they're alone. They think that no one's else going through this. It's just me. You don't understand. And when you can hear the stories of other people, you feel a little bit less alone in your pain. Mm. That's really true. You really can't ever assume people know how to be there for you. If you want it, you got to get it. You got to throw your hat in the ring. Last question. And then I'm going to ask you some rapid fire breakup related questions. Friends with an ex, ever a reason to be? I So the ex that I'm friends I started breakup bootcamp with, we're good friends now. And he's now married. We're going to have dinner with my boyfriend soon. It took a long time. We were, I was his enemy for like probably five years. I think that 
Sometimes it's worthwhile to be a friend. It's a love that changes. It's not romantic or sexual in nature, but it's a love. And maybe it didn't work out as a relationship, but it could work out as friends. But I think it requires time and there to be no emotional or romantic charge. And with others, they just don't deserve a space in your life. So don't bother. Agreed. Agreed. And I, I can't believe that. That's such a funny like ending, you know, full circle for you two. Okay. I'm going to ask you some rapid fire um, breakup related questions. So these are just like fast, quick answers. We don't okay. really need to get that into it. So true or false, it takes half the time you've dated someone to get over them. False. Mm. True or false, it'll only work out with a guy if their light is on. I don't know if you've heard that theory before. Yeah. Um, true-ish. <laughs> true or false? Breakup sex is a bad idea. True. It's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. True or false? They always come back. False. True or false? You can't fully get over an ex until you date someone new. False. Mm. True or false, the best way to get over someone is to get under someone. False. True or false, if you do the breaking up and you live together, you have to move out. Mm, False. Mm. True or false, you should definitely unfollow after you break up. I would say true. Mm -hmm. And... True or false? If you broke up, they're not the one. True. You'd be surprised at people accepting that one. Amy, thank you so, so much. This was just so like concise and clear. And I feel like anyone listening, like there's no way they can have any more questions than this. But if there's anything that we didn't cover, I guess we'll have to do a part three. So is there a quote or piece of advice that you could leave our listeners with? Yeah, I would say... If you're still blaming your ex, vilifying your ex, cycle analyzing your ex, hoping for your ex to change, you're still in a relationship with your ex. You're in a relationship with someone who's not in a relationship with you. So every moment you spend trying to figure them out or become a CIA agent and get that closure or find the facts, you're just taking away from building your new future. Very well said. Where can everyone find you, follow you? buy the book and all of that my website's renewbreakupbootcamp.com and my book breakup bootcamp the science of rewinding your heart is available on amazon and bookstores and you can follow me on instagram at miss amy chan cool thank you so much amy this was fun 